If you're tired of these promos, supporters get the podcast early and ad-free. Just go to donate.bogosity.tv for the links to sign up. Welcome to the Bogosity Podcast for the week of March 5th, 2023. The podcast that created invisible makeup. This is your host, Shane Killian. Let's trivaricate the news of the bogus. Since the start of the pandemic, we've covered various stories about how SARS-CoV-2 may have evolved, including the possibility that it was a virus that leaked out of the Wuhan Institute of Virology in China. We also covered all the censorship about that idea. Now, as it turns out, a classified intelligence report from the Department of Energy concludes that the lab leak theory is, in fact, the most likely. This is an update to their 2021 document, which said they were undecided on the issue. This isn't anything conclusive, and in fact, the department gives it a low confidence rating, but it does prove that the lab leak theory isn't in any way the crazy, kooky conspiracy theory many were making it out to be. This comes after the FBI concluding with moderate confidence that the lab leak is the most likely possibility. And now it's known that they thought this as early as 2021, at a time when the news media and even government officials like Anthony Fauci were vociferously attacking those who dare to even suggest the possibility. Journalist Glenn Greenwald tweeted, The key issue here is not that the U.S. government now knows for sure what COVID's origins are. They don't. What is now 100% clear is that they don't know and never did. And yet... For the first full year of the pandemic, Big Tech barred anyone from questioning the zoonotic theory. So often, governments claim something is absolute truth due to grave error or a desire to suppress dissent. Outlawing debate makes those vital debates impossible. Michael Schellenberger posted examples from the news media, including one from the Washington Post about the coronavirus fringe theory that had to be corrected to remove the terms debunked and conspiracy theory, a similar one from the New York Times, and a fact check that Politico had to remove. He also mentioned that famous letter in The Lancet which read, Strongly condemn conspiracy theories suggesting that COVID-19 does not have a natural origin. We now know they were just presenting their unfounded opinion as though it were scientific fact. Greenwald tweeted, Many of history's greatest thinkers were imprisoned or persecuted for disseminating false ideas which institutions of power had outlawed. Copernicus, Galileo, Voltaire, Descartes, anti-war protesters, etc. Returning to these days where power centers have this power is madness. Due to that shameful Lancet letter, driven by all kinds of undisclosed conflicts of interest, Fauci and the U.S. government pretended they knew for sure the virus was zoonotic. Only when the Biden White House admitted it didn't know did Facebook reverse its ban and allow debate. So think about that. The COVID pandemic was easily one of the most consequential human events of the last several decades. And yet, the platforms we use to communicate banned any debating or questioning of government decrees of truth until the government admitted it didn't know. Lesson to be learned. Instead of public health being such an important issue, we have to stop misinformation. Public health is such an important issue that we cannot and should not stifle debate over it. If you're looking for a way to support this channel, but you don't have any spare cash and you can't stand ads, you can do so by generating your own cryptocurrency. 
Use the links at the bottom of the description to follow the link to odyssey.com to listen to the podcast and see all of my YouTube videos as well. Just watching videos will produce cryptocurrency for the creator and yourself. And since Odyssey is always monetized and never censored, you'll have no problem seeing all the videos from your favorite creators. You can also use the library credits you created Odyssey to tip creators and even purchase paid content. Earn library credits through various rewards, including daily view rewards and the number of shares and invites. And you can interact with creators in all sorts of ways, including like and dislike, comment, boost a post by supporting it, repost it, and share to other sites, all while earning crypto for the creator. Easily monetize yourself and your favorite creators using cryptocurrency without advertising. Use the link below to visit this channel on odyssey.com and see many of your other favorites there as well. Something else that suddenly ended up being a kooky conspiracy theory was the concept of natural immunity. This is where someone gets immune to something, in this case the SARS-CoV-2 virus, because they had a previous infection of that virus or one that's similar enough. That's opposed to acquired immunity, which is with a vaccine or inoculation. Suddenly, it was a horrible thing to even suggest that someone who is infected might be immune, let alone that their immunity might be stronger than the vaccine, even though it historically is. And somehow, natural immunity didn't count anymore towards herd immunity, which was suddenly redefined to only mean immunity through vaccination. Do you want anti-vaxxers? Because this is how you get anti-vaxxers. Now, three years too late, the Lancet, in a study from the University of Washington, finally acknowledges that immunity acquired from a SARS-CoV-2 infection is at least as good as two or even three doses of Myrna vaccines. And there's nothing about this that doesn't fit the pattern we've seen in epidemics and pandemics throughout history. The advantage of a vaccine is not that the immunity is better somehow, it's that you get at least some degree of immunity without the bad effects of getting the virus. And yet, when a widely known and historically consistent effect flies in the face of the agenda of authoritarians, they turn to the tactics of religion, claiming that their position is gospel truth and anything that dares to go against it is heresy. We saw that in spades throughout COVID. It goes against another previously well-known effect, too. Our immune systems do better the more they're trained on viruses in the environment. We constantly breathe in viruses that are a threat to our respiratory system. We don't get sick because our immune system knows how to handle them. That's how it was for most people. Most healthy people who became infected with SARS-CoV-2 needed no medical intervention. It was only those with certain risk factors who faced issues. Risk factors that were completely predictable ahead of time. And yet, far beyond the normal flu season advice, Governments encouraged, and often even required, the wearing of masks even by healthy people, social distancing even of healthy people, shelter-in-place orders even of healthy people, on and on and on. And what was the result? We spent two years severely inhibiting our immune systems, to the point where we didn't even have the normal exposure to environmental viruses we would have had otherwise. That's exactly the sort of thing that can lead the immune system to the complete overkill that caused problems for COVID patients. And anyone who dared to suggest a health response based on this scientific consensus 
like the doctors behind the Great Barrington Declaration, was vilified, disparaged, and even censored. Many lost their jobs. The advice was simple. Quarantine the sick, engage in targeted protection of the vulnerable, and let everyone else live their lives and build up a natural immunity, which at the time was the only option anyway since the vaccine wasn't out yet. The authoritarians and their unthinking followers screeched that this was just letting the virus run wild and that everyone who wanted to go that route wanted to kill grandma. Those aren't straw men. People actually said it. And while it should be obvious to even the dullest of us that the goal of the authoritarians of zero infections was nothing but sheer fantasy, it's also the case that the predictions of the natural immunity crowd are coming true. As we go on with our lives, the virus is mutating into more transmissible but less severe variants. Within a few years, it'll be just another cold virus. It got to the point where there was a close distinction between vaccinated and unvaccinated. If you could prove you were vaccinated, many services were open to you. But if you weren't, it didn't matter how much you could prove a natural immunity. It didn't exist, according to the cult leaders. And as a result, we're seeing anti-vaxxers being created all over the place. The only way to reverse that course now is for the authoritarians to admit they were wrong and apologize. Personally, I won't be holding my breath. If you're on the Wi-Fi in a coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government censors. It's essential in this day and age. So go to vpn.bogosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world. And they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home, and don't worry about what those other governments are doing. Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv. After all that, it's good to know that there are people still out there with principles. In this case, the people behind the secure messaging app Signal. Three weeks ago, we talked about the UK's horrible new online safety bill, which is yet another attack on encryption and our basic privacy in the name of protecting children. Signal's developers have said that if the bill passes, they will refuse to comply, going so far as to exit the UK if need be. Signal CEO Meredith Whitaker said, quote, We would absolutely exit any country if the choice were between remaining in the country and undermining the strict privacy promises we make to the people who rely on us. The UK is no exception. It's not clear what she meant, but it may mean removing Signal App Store downloads to UK IP addresses, which you could easily get around a number of different ways, including using a VPN or just downloading the open source app manually. As we've discussed, end-to-end -end encryption makes sure that only senders and recipients can see the contents of messages. No one in the middle, not the device makers, not the ISP, not the government, 
Not even the signal developers can peer inside this protection. But the bill would ban any form of encryption that would prevent the UK's Office of Communication, or Ofcom, from viewing the message's content. And yes, they explicitly mentioned end-to-end encryption, quote, Companies will need to regularly assess the risk of harm on their services, including the risks around end-to-end encryption. They would also need to assess the risks ahead of any significant design changes, such as a move to end-to-end encryption. Service providers will then need to take reasonably practicable steps to mitigate the risks they identify. The only reasonable response to this is a middle finger. Whitaker said, quote, Signal will never, would never, 1,000% won't participate in any sort of adulteration of our technology that would undermine our privacy promises. The mechanisms available and the laws of physics and reality of technology and the approaches that have been tried are deeply flawed, both from a human rights standpoint and from a technological standpoint. As we've covered before, it's just basic math. Math works the same way for everybody. Even if you did believe the government was a wonderful, beneficent force that would never, ever become corrupt or tyrannical, anything that would allow them to examine messages for bad stuff would open the door for bad guys to read your messages for whatever nefarious reasons they wanted to. And the same goes for pre-encryption scanning, like what Apple planned back in 2021 before massive public outcry caused them to reverse course. As much as our devices violate our privacy as it is, Broad monitoring of every single message is a massively different kind of violation. A spokesstooge for the UK Home Office said, quote, The online safety bill does not represent a ban on end-to-end encryption, but makes clear that technological changes should not be implemented in a way that diminishes public safety, especially the safety of children online. It is not a choice between privacy or child safety. We can and we must have both. No, it doesn't ban math. It just mandates that 2 plus 2 equals 5. Sorry, but it just doesn't work that way. There are only two kinds of encryption. The kind that stops major governments from reading your messages, and the kind that stops your kid's sister. So any backdoor, anything that allows anyone else to read the message, automatically puts it into the kid's sister category. Meanwhile, actual criminals would just switch to another app, Even if they have to get it from the dark web, the encryption genie is already out of the bottle. There's no stopping it now. Whitaker said, quote, It is a very troubling piece of legislation. The proactive requirement for services such as Signal to police expression and content would effectively require some sort of surveillance capabilities and some sort of rubric around which expression is accepted or not. And as we just covered earlier in this podcast, that can have massive consequences not only for personal freedoms, but public health as well. Quote, The outcome they want presupposes mass surveillance capabilities, presupposes a regime that polices acceptable versus unacceptable expression, and it presupposes either breaking into the end-to-end encryption in ways that would totally undermine privacy or undermine the point of end-to-end encryption by conducting surveillance outside of encryption itself. As for what to do about things like child abuse, how about just good old-fashioned police work? Do you have children, or nieces or nephews? Are you homeschooling, or just want to counter some of the socialist indoctrination most children get in school? 
If so, go to bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins and you'll be taken to a website where you can get some great books for elementary age children. The Tuttle Twins books are books about liberty and free market economics that include children's versions of Bastiat's The Law, Leonard Reed's I Pencil, and Hayek's The Road to Serfdom, as well as books about the Federal Reserve and how regulations protect business cronies. They'll learn about the harm caused by eminent domain or regulations passed in the name of safety and fundamental concepts of liberty. And as you can see from the sample pages on the website, they're all easy to read and nicely illustrated. They're just $9.99 a piece, or get a special discount as well as free bonuses when you purchase all five. You can even buy in bulk to donate to schools and local libraries. So get the Tuttle Twins books at bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins. <laughs> And now it's time to recontextualize this week's biggest bogani emitter. And this week, it goes to Pfizer, who, thanks to a whistleblower named Brooke Johnson, we now know to have repeatedly and systematically violated testing protocols in the development of their COVID-19 vaccine. The whistleblower now has a case against Pfizer that the company is trying to have dismissed. If they can't, that means that they're subject to discovery, meaning the plaintiffs can get all related documents about COVID vaccine development and they can be forced to give depositions under oath. The defense said to the judge that it actually doesn't matter whether protocols were violated because the federal government was made aware of them and still granted them emergency authorization. Let's pause and consider. They're saying, or at least implying, that these violations did occur but it's okay because our government knew about it. Our government knew about it and didn't tell us. Whiskey, tango, foxtrot. Again, this is how you get anti-vaxxers. According to Jackson, the FDA approved the authorization before reviewing the information regarding the protocol violations. U.S. District Judge Michael Truncale said he normally doesn't allow oral arguments on motions to dismiss, but felt it was warranted in this case because of the public interest. The violations include failures to properly report adverse events and failing to keep participants properly blinded. One of the companies working with Pfizer on the clinical trials was Ventavia, of whom Jackson was an employee in 2020. Despite having 18 years of experience as an expert working in clinical trials, she was fired the same day she alerted the FDA of irregularities in the trials. She'd only been working with them 18 days. She's suing them for violation of the False Claims Act and has also accused Ventavia of illegal retaliation. As of this podcast prep, Truncale hasn't yet issued a ruling on the dismissal. If he dismisses the case, Jackson said she will appeal. The companies are saying that Jackson hasn't proven the violations occurred, but that's not something someone can reasonably expect prior to discovery. A motion to dismiss is not based on how well she has supported the facts. It just says that, even if all of the facts alleged are true, is there still a case? The contract between Pfizer and the government was also set up to resist any such proof. Truncale asked Pfizer attorney Carlton Wessel, quote, So if the FDA gets it wrong, they just get it wrong and we live with it? And Wessel replied, quote, Exactly. Instead of backing Jackson, the government has instead supported Pfizer's motion. Wessel said that if the government doesn't think it's been defrauded, it hasn't really been defrauded and the people don't have a case at all. When asked about the possibility of a government cover-up, 
Wessel basically said it was a conspiracy and, quote, the vaccine is not a political thing. But in what way is it not political after two years of mandates, censorship, and everything else we've had to put up with? Despite her nearly two decades of working clinical trials, pundits have been screeching that she's an anti-vaxxer. She just says she's anti-corruption. So since when does being against government corruption mean you're against vaccines? Her attorney, Warner Mendenhall, said, quote, We get Pfizer's internal documents, and we can really dig into what happened to these 44,000 trial participants that they had. He also mentioned, quote, Many other trial sites were actually being run in a manner that is not appropriate for getting good data. And if they don't have good data, then that emergency authorization is then pulled back by the FDA. They don't have enough data to support it, and if that happens, this whole thing is over. The mandates are over. The shot is over. Jackson said she was compelled to document everything she found, including private patient data being left out in the open and improper storage of hazardous material. Quote, I was the first one there, and I was the last one to leave from pretty much day one. Just really trying to get a handle on the chaos is the only way that I can describe it. Science is supposed to be open and transparent. Pfizer is being the exact opposite of that. So all of that makes Pfizer this week's biggest bogan emitter. I want to tell you about the eyeglasses I've been wearing for years. As people can see on my videos, I have a very strong prescription, which makes glasses more expensive, especially when I need computer glasses, reading glasses, prescription sunglasses, and most expensively, progressive lenses for general everyday wear. To save money while still getting quality glasses, I get them from Fermu. In fact, I just got a pair of progressives with high-index aspherical lenses and a nice pair of frames my wife loves for just over $100. It would have been $500 to get them through my eye doctor. Not only do they look good, the glasses are durable. I've worn many pairs for several years without problems. All orders come with a 30-day return policy, a 3-month warranty, and one-on-one -on -one customer service. Go to Firmu, that's F-I-R-M-O-O dot Bogosity dot TV, anytime you need quality glasses at a low price. Once again, that's Firmu dot Bogosity dot TV. And now let's desilicate this week's... And this week it goes to Amazon, who seems to have freaked out and gotten rid of every ebook it found a copy of on the Pirate Bay. Several independent publishers are claiming their books have been removed from Kindle Unlimited because they breached an exclusivity agreement. Of course, it wasn't the authors or publishers, it was pirates, because that's what pirates do. You'd think Amazon would be used to this by now. Even when they launched Kindle 15 years ago, ebook piracy was a common problem. Now, it's showing no signs of stopping or even slowing down, despite several government crackdowns. But now, apparently, they're using their presence on pirate sites as a reason to take them down. Whereas Netflix, if you recall, was using piracy as an indication of popularity and a reason to include the movie in its service. Because they understood, as we've covered on several occasions, that piracy can actually increase an item's popularity and boost sales. Smaller publishers and independent authors like Amazon Services include KDP Select, which lets them put their works online without having to go through a major publisher. 
As part of the agreement, they have to make digital versions of their books exclusive to Amazon. Over the last few weeks, several authors have complained that Amazon took their books off of Kindle Unlimited for violation of the agreement because they found copies of the books on pirate sites. Author Raven Kennedy said, quote, Copyright infringement is outside of my control. Even though I pay a lot of money to a company to file takedown notices on my behalf and am constantly checking the web for pirated versions, I can't keep up with all the intellectual theft. And rather than support and help their authors, Amazon threatens me. The ironic thing is, these pirates are getting the files from Amazon. Yeah, Kennedy, they go right through the DRM. Because as we've covered, DRM is the stupidest form of encryption ever, as it, as a mathematical necessity, must give the decryption keys to the reader. And then they can use freely downloadable software to remove the DRM. This is actually perfectly legal so long as they stick to personal use, like reading it with an e-reader other than Kindle. But of course, some people are going to put it up on pirate sites for others to download. That's also what author Carissa Broadbent found, quote, A few hours ago, I got a stomach-dropping email from Amazon that children of fallen gods had been removed from the Kindle store with zero warning because of content freely available on the web, i.e. piracy that I do not have any control over. Of course, independent authors don't have the resources that big publishers have to go against pirates, and even if they did, they're fighting a hydra that can put more copies online faster than they can be taken down. Quote, Kindle Unlimited requires exclusivity. My ebooks can't be anywhere but Amazon. I am really honored that my books have become so popular, but with that, piracy has gotten rampant, both on free piracy sites and pirates selling them on sites like Apple Books. Both seriously jeopardize my livelihood, not because of the few dollars from the book, but because of Amazon's extreme reactions to this TOS violation. The worst part is that piracy is just beyond my control. It just is what it is. Amazon's actions are also beyond my control. One bot sweep, one vague email with no information, and a book that pays my mortgage is just gone. Scary. They say that piracy is bad because it robs authors of sales, but how is it a solution to rob authors of all sales by blaming them for piracy and taking their books down? Author Marlo Locker has started a Change.org petition to get Amazon to recognize that piracy is beyond the author's control and therefore not a TOS violation. As of this podcast prep, it has over 35,000 signatures. But the dumb thing is that a petition should even be needed to begin with. Amazon's a tech company. You would think they'd understand how this stuff works. So all of that makes Amazon this week's... Idiot up this let's assume for a moment that you are a dishonest man edition of the bogosity podcast i hope you enjoyed it if you did please go to donate.bogosity.tv for several ways to support and discord.bogosity.tv to join the discussion subscribe at patreon or subscribe star and you can listen early and ad free thank you for listening until next time here's a quote from valterine declare the moment you admit a supreme authority you have denied rights Practically, the supremacy has all the rights, and no matter what the human race possesses, it does so merely at the caprice of that authority. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution on Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License.